All right, Hallers, let's get Hallin. But first, a couple quick warnings. First warning, this podcast contains adult content. Don't be a pixie, you little pixie. (laughs) Second warning, this podcast contains spoilers. For Dark Age. And everything else in the Red Rising universe. And Dark Age. <laughs> and Dark Age. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Etsy. Email howlerpod at gmail.com. Go visit us at howlerpod.com. And don't forget to rate and review us. If you don't give us five stars only, then I will tie you to a cord and open the hatch and let you float in space for a quick second. Have I already given that threat? No. It seemed like I've done that before. <laughs> I just think you're so used to threatening people in general. Well, you'll be a lobster unless you give us five stars only, and then we'll give you a whole water jug. <laughs> and now, Howlapod. All this Venusian prattle and bluster. You're waiting in the shallows, my dear. Shall we cross the Rubicon? Hello, Howlers. Welcome to Howler Pod, the one and only podcast for all things Red Rising, where every episode we dive deep to break down, celebrate, and discuss all aspects of the fantastic Red Rising saga by Howler number one, Pierce Brown. I am your host, Ben Reinert, joined today, as always, by the amazing Aaron Ayers. Hello, Howlers. What are we doing today, Aaron? Iron Gold reread chapters 22 through 27. Let's jump right in this bitch and load up this star shell and shoot straight into our chapter summaries. Hopefully we don't shit our suits or run out of water. Or get tortured by some moon lords. Part two, Shadow. Chapter 22, Lysander, Io, moon lords. (laughs) That's not what it's called. What's up? We fucking love Moonies. (laughs) I'm all about them. Ben and I are like gung ho on Moonies, even though they are still stuck in their old ways of uh, colorism. Yeah, I was like, I'm really digging Romulus. And then he was like, but this dude's a slave. And I was like, damn. Do you have to do do that, Romulus? Cool. (laughs) All right, so Lysander and Cassius are flying to Io under the Moonies' watchful eye. After spilling a drink like a pixie, Lysander asks for more. Please, sir, could I have another? The guard, Belov, says, no, you dumb bitch. But Diomedes gives Lysander another cup. Seeing kindness in Diomedes, Lysander tries to reason with him, trying to appeal to his seemingly honorable nature. Um, instead, it goes poorly for Lysander. Diomedes teaches him a lesson by exposing Lysander to the elements without an oxygen mask for just a brief moment, but it fucks him up. Chapter 23, Lyria, Foxwalker. Lyria is picking up Sophocles' poop and chasing him around when she hears the pop of a jam field. She sees a gray and a copper having a secret conversation. The copper looks her direction, so she turns and darts away, running into Holiday as she enters the Telemannus estate. Lyria takes Sophocles to 
Dr. Liago, the Telemontes' personal physician, uh, so that he can test the fox's poop, since Sophocles has been acting a fool around these Packlebell birds. In his shop, we see the first signs of the Nixacalis, or night lily. I probably said that totally correct. It sounded great. <laughs> Which took uh, Liago 13 years to perfect. We also find out Sophocles was cloned like 21 times over the years, so he's 700 years old. Old fox. He old. Wrinkly balls. <laughs> Chapter 24, Ephraim, Kobachi's Tech Emporium. Ephraim, Volga, and Sira go to purchase items in preparation for their secret heist. Volga stops at the door because it's, there's a sign that says no crows. Ephraim tells her to come inside anyways. An employee gives her trouble, but Ephraim shuts him up, showing him his cool gun. What's it called? Omnivore. Showing him his omnivore. Kobachi comes out and speaks with Ephraim. And then after Ephraim shows Kobachi the iron rose in his pocket, I picture him having a trench coat and he opens it and there's all these watches. <laughs> and then there's an iron rose and Kobachi's like, holy shit, dude. Um, Kobachi then takes him back to uh, the special merchandise that's behind like the double wall like in James Bond. Mm-hmm. Ephraim points out a hunter-killer drone with silent engines and a neurotoxin deliverer. Ephraim's like, how small can you make it for my necklace? He doesn't say that. (laughs) Takes us to chapter 25. Lysander, Lord of the Dust. The Moonies land in an abandoned fortress carved into a mountain. Instead of at their regular place, Sungrave, they're escorted inside, and Lysander sees the man himself, Romulus, ah, fucking Ra, sitting crisscross applesauce on the floor. Romulus stands and addresses Serafina, who says that the Gaja, Lysander and Cassius, saved her life from Ascomani. Romulus is like, hey, you have fighter calluses on your hands, yet you are not scarred. WTF. He goes back to questioning Serafina and tells her that she broke the compact and therefore must be kept prisoner in the mountain fortress. Either that or like she's going to have to kill, get killed. Um, she's taken away to her rooms. Romulus then turns to the Gaja. He says they must meet a swift death. Before the deed is done, a missile strike rumbles through the mountain. Somebody has arrived. It's mom. Mom's, mom's here. Hey, Mom. <laughs> Chapter 26, Lysander, Wrath of the Mother. Dido Ara shows up with a bunch of golds ready to fuck shit up. She has come to voice her dissent to her husband, Romulus, for his imprisonment of her daughter, Serafina. She asks if he knew why she sent Serafina out on this errand, and Romulus tells her he knows why. She's like, he should have had her arrested then, and that he's weak for not sending his wife to the dust. You're not an iron gold. And he's like, you're welcome for your life, you (laughs) Venusian bitch. (laughs) She tells her peeps to arrest Romulus. Diomedes don't like that and decides to defend his father. We then see that Cassius is not the greatest razor master on the worlds because Diomedes is even better. I mean, that points out for a debate. No. <laughs> Lysander's like, oh, Cassius is like, oh, shit. That guy can fight. <laughs> uh, Diomedes. In my heart. 
Ben's like, how dare you? What if I said Darrow's a better fighter than Cassius? That's not true. Okay. Even though... Yeah, it's probably true. Okay. <laughs> Back to Diomedes. He kills some people, but before he can uh, really get going, Romulus is like, son, let's not kill everyone. Romulus decides to go peacefully. Serafina is brought back down, and she tells Dido that she found it, the little lying bitch. Lysander and Cassius step out from where they were hiding while the fighting was going on, and Sarah tells Dido that they saved her life. Dido welcomes them as her guests by shoving a dry-ass cracker in their mouths <laughs> that they can't swallow until she then also shoves some water into their mouths. That takes us to chapter 27, Darrow, Deep Grave. Darrow and the Howlers take over like a crab ship, like, you know, straight out of, what's that show on Discovery Channel? Deadliest Catch. Deadliest Catch. <laughs> they are disguised as society commandos. They set up shop on the ship and take a sub down to Deep Grave. They sneak past the defenses and drill into the prison. They make their way to the cell of their target, taking out guards and passing undetected as they go. They then open the cell and find that their target is not there. Instead, it's an old obsidian with a missing tongue. He tells them he was a former guard who was stabbed in the back and stuck in this cell. And then he tells the howlers he thinks he can help them find their target without words, <laughs> <laughs> with sign language. You know, I would like Tungless to be on my gestures team. <laughs> he is pretty good. Have you played gestures? Yes, I've played gestures with you like a thousand times. <laughs> it was rhetorical. <laughs> but like, I'm pretty good, but I feel like he and I would really vibe and we would fucking crush it. He really nailed all of his clues, like, right up front Pretty there. quickly. Yeah. Do you think he practiced while he was sucking on algae? <laughs> he was, like, ready for it. I'm going to get like, this out the quickly. the next time someone opens the door, <laughs> I'm going to be, like, stabbed in the back. <laughs> and that is it for our chapter summaries this week. Yes. Uh, what's the theme for these chapters? Now that we know what happened, let's talk about the theme that ties them all together. This week's theme is intrigue, mystery, huzzah. <laughs> ben wrote the word huzzah <laughs> so this th this theme is a little more abstract not necessarily mm. well these are some um quick info chapters mm -hmm. that are moving the story along quite nicely i would say yeah there's just a lot of setup going on in these chapters big story setup and also kind of just iron gold setup as well so but we do have a lot of Oh, wait, that comes back right. in Dark Age, which we will talk about later. And there's just a lot of things going down here that we don't quite have a whole lot of information about. Like, we still don't really know. Like, the first thing about the first time you're reading this, you don't really know what's on the Hollow Cube. You know, they're kind of referring to it as information about what happened with the docks, but we don't know exactly what's on there. We don't know exactly who we're going to get out of prison yet. Uh, so. A lot of that stuff is, is kind of still being figured out. Right. So first up for our chapter by chapter theme insert, um, let's talk about Lysander and the Moonies. Yeah. So this is when he's kind of talking about the intrigue surrounding this hollow cube situation and the Moonies. So he talks about, he's talking about Pandora here, and this is when he's being kind of tortured, but not tortured. Just, uh, 
water deprivation. A little light torture. Because so, <laughs> cause what? Lysander's a what? Pixie? Yeah. <laughs> and Cassius is like, shut up, dude. I've been through worse. Uh, Lysander says, she's a savage. He's referring to Pandora. Two days into my capture, the old woman visited my cell. For an hour, she sat cross-legged on the floor and Chris watched Cross me. applesauce? <laughs> and watched me, saying nothing until she asked if Serafina brought a data cube onto the Archimedes. I told her I didn't know of such a cube. She left without a word, and I've been unable to discern just what the data cube could contain. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I bet you when Cassius hears about it, though, he knows what's on it. Oh, you think? Cassius seems to believe that Roke was the dude that blew it up. You know, he's he's going along with the, the story that everybody else believes. Oh, you think? I guess he... Darrow didn't really have time to be like, by the way. Yeah. So next up with Lysander um, is when they're taken to Io, they're kind of taken there in secret. And his quote is, why are we here and not in Sungrave? Romulus is trying to hide something. Is it simply his daughter's indiscretion? Or is it that recording Pandora asked about? What did she think Serafina was bringing back? What could be so valuable to spark all this? Ooh, what is it? Is it Darrow blowing up some dogs? <laughs> that leads us to our next quote here where um, oh, this is Romulus and Serafina talking. He says to her, you went against your sovereign. You went against your own father. Why? What could you possibly seek? The truth, she says passionately. What truth? The truth of what happened to our docks. Diomedes blinks. What mystery is there? Fabii destroyed them for his sovereign. Did he? Yeah, that's what, exactly what Lysander's like. But did he? Nobody knows Nobody why. Knows. And he's like, my grandmother didn't order that. Yeah. Little pixie bitch. The mystery deepens. <laughs> um, this is like the um, the Da Vinci Code movie, <laughs> yeah. where they like run out of mysteries, so they just keep adding on more mysteries, and you're like, <laughs> okay, I think the book had less mysteries than this horrible movie, which <laughs> I still kind of like the movie. And then uh, we we see here too that Romulus obviously knows what they're talking about, but he's like. There's no way there's like proof, you know. Right, because she tells him at one point, no, I didn't find anything. Serafina tells Romulus, I didn't find anything. Right. And then there's that note where Lysander is like, he sees a little quiver of his lip. And he's like, nobody would have noticed except for me or Raised Pink. by pinks, right. Yeah, because or raised by he, my saw re- he saw relief in his face. So think back to Morningstar. Romulus doesn't. We don't know that Romulus knows that it was Darrow that destroyed the docks because, don't forget, Darrow put on that little performance in his helmet saying that he was trapped in the hallways, held down by, like, you know, fighting obsidians and stuff. And uh, Romulus is like, Darrow, you have to get to Fabii before he destroys our docks. And then Romulus talks to Darrow again after the fact and He's kind of suspicious. Does seem like he's pretty suspicious he's at like, that point. Wait a second, and then he's then he's like, "We didn't find any missiles, any nuclear missiles," 
And uh, Daryl's like, that's weird. We have them all here yeah. on the flagship. So obviously Romulus suspects Darrow, but at this point he can't like risk fighting even more with Darrow and has to kind of like mm-hmm. rally his forces in Morningstar. So then we come all the way 10 years later. Romulus has kept his suspicions to himself. Right. But now he's like feeling relieved when he finds out that Serafina didn't find any proof. Right. But then um, Romulus says to Dido, Serafina brought back nothing. And Dido, because she's a badass, but I love Dido. (laughs) (laughs) She was pretty cool. She goes, is that a fact? (laughs) And then we also, of course, find out later on in that chapter uh, that Dido and Serafina, their plan worked. Uh, Dido says, tell me you found it. And Serafina responds, I did. So here's my question. Mm-hmm. Where, who did she get it from? That's a great question. I think my guess is going to be like the abomination's got to be involved here, right? Yeah. L- like she met with Lilith or something? I don't know. Somehow. Well, it has something to do with the guilds because like Di- the white guilds because Dido got the holocube through a broker of the white guilds. And then in Dark Age, there is a line from the Abomination where he's like, did you set up the White Guilds to bring the society down or something like that? There's like an ag- a quote where he talks about how he did some work with the White Guilds. Okay, so we have that connection. There is a connection there. And I think like, who's the only person smart enough to do this? Probably the Jackal, you know? Even Baby Jackal? Even Baby Jackal. He's pretty smart still. You know, when you have an honors kid, it's not that cool if he turns out to be the jackal. <laughs> Better to have a dumb kid. Augustus has that honors kid bumper sticker on his spaceship. <laughs> I was picturing him in a minivan, not a spaceship. <laughs> but he only has one. He doesn't have like, he has my kid as an honor kid, but it's only for Mustang. He doesn't have one for the jackal, even though the jackal is an honors kid. <laughs> <laughs> and thus the si- sibling rivalry begins okay so moving on from lysander we uh go on to lyria so lyria has tons of mystery intrigue huzzah in her chapters so first off we're like sophocles is going crazy she says Sophocles has been mad as a box of snakes. <laughs> <laughs> That's my imitation of. <laughs> I liked it. Of the uh, audiobook reader. <laughs> um, Sophocles has been mad as a box of snakes since we arrived on Luna last week, trying his best to kill the lovely Pucklebell birds that fill the trees of the Citadel's gardens. Mm-hmm. So here. This is the first time we see Sophocles acting a fool. And we don't really think anything of it. Maybe a little bit. I thought it was suspicious. Ben thought it was suspicious. I was like, Sophocles is going crazy because he's been cloned. Yeah, that would make sense. They kind of set that up later in the chapter. Um, and then we also get, this is the whole Ben's conspiracy corner. is just based on this chapter. <laughs> so uh Aaron has we don't need to probably read the quotes again like we know what happens like she hears the strange pop 
the jam field goes up. There's copper and a gray that are talking to each other. It's a concrete block of a gray warden. Mm-hmm. And then... And a familiar-faced copper, right. a.k.a. definitely Publius. Probably Publius. And the gray shoves a finger into the copper's chest as if scolding him. The copper looks away in her direction. She runs away with Sophocles into the Telemannus estate where she runs into Holiday T. Nakamura. And I'm like, there's no way that concrete block of a gray warden could have been right there and then had Lyria run into them. Right. So we've talked a lot about my own personal suspicions of this moment. And now I feel like we need to give Aaron a little time to talk against it because there are some good points and I would actually agree with a few of them that like wow <laughs> I think you do make a, a couple good points first one being she refers she sees two men she does yeah. say she sees and two she men she says gray warden and she says Holiday a gray warden is not a warden right she is clearly a howler mm-hmm. also Lyria describes Holiday's face as being like tree bark so there's a couple things going on here she sees two men and then immediately runs into Holiday. So the thing here would be she would probably recognize if it was Holiday right. being one of those greys, right? I mean, that's, that's logical. I, I see exactly where that's reasonable. In my mind, the only way Holiday could have caught up to her like that mm-hmm. would be like grav boots, which I assume she would have heard mm-hmm. buzzing above her head. You know, it's just the timing's weird. Right. The but timing. now we're like doesn't if quite line up we're like which gray we're kind of thinking maybe it's one of lilith's minions could it be like i don't know like scolding um publius over letting darrow get away right yeah because now they can't find darrow right that's interesting yeah so it's like we're trying to figure out what exactly is going on in that situation i still don't understand it completely and why is who's this male gray like we don't know any other male grays other than Ephraim, it's not obviously it's not Ephraim. Well, it could it could be one of the Bone Riders dressed as a gray. Yeah, that's what I was. I was also kind of thinking that is like maybe it could be somebody in disguise or something we like know that. that. Lilith she dressed dis- as a red. She disguised herself as a red. And then there's also a a line about Holiday that I think actually works in her favor as well. Lyria says, "I've seen her twice before, always quiet and in the shadows of things." So what Aaron thinks about that is that she is checking these two people out, right? Yeah, she's, and it even says after Lyria mumbles an apology that Holiday moves down the hill basically towards the two that were having that secret meeting. Mm-hmm. So I think Holiday's up there like spying on uh, Publius. She's like checking on what he's doing. Right. And I've already made my case about why I think that could possibly be Holiday. That case doesn't feel as strong today as it did in the past, but I'm still riding with it, obviously. (laughs) Um, Can't can't back away on your own opinions. (laughs) Right. And then the last thing I was going to say, is there is also the line where Lyria says, her eyes turn to me as if she could sense me watching. So that, I don't know, that could work two different ways. Like, Like she's looking from afar and could see that Lyria had like creeped through the bushes. Also seen it. Or like... Holiday was the gray, and she could sense like Lyria being guilty for watching her. But I, I don't know. That doesn't really line up. 
that situation and that whole passage, I just want some clarification on. I'm so surprised that we did not get any in Dark Age, you know? We might not ever get any. I feel like we've got to get some. I feel like we will find out that Holiday was not ever the snitch and you were always wrong and she's going to like die saving someone and you're going to feel bad. I'm okay with that and I won't feel bad about it at all. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I like Holiday. I like Holiday. I'm just trying to, like I said, I'm just trying to put, connect dots and put things together, make some educated guesses. And typically when a description is given of a character, like that's the concrete block thing is really what I'm holding on to. It's like, right. but that could also just twice. be a red herring. Like, and it Pierce could be leading us astray on purpose. It could be Lyria seeing all Grays kind of the same. I mean, she's terrified of Grays, you know. Right. They are kind of all described similarly, like that, like thick set. Yeah. Uh, that type of thing. So, I mean. It's interesting. Like I said, I really hope we get some clarification on that one day and we actually find out who that fucking gray was. Hashtag she's innocent. Hashtag believe her. (laughs) Justice for holiday. (laughs) Justice for holiday. Okay. (laughs) So that takes us to Ephraim. Sad boy. Sad boy Ephraim. I, I like have always liked Ephraim, but not like loved him. Now that I know his future, I really, really like it. Oh my gosh. I am savoring every single line from him. I right love now. how sarcastic he is. Yeah. It kind it's kinda like how we love how Severo talks. Yeah. Um, it's just like smart and sarcastic and rude. <laughs> <laughs> so we also see some intrigue and mystery in Ephraim's chapters. He starts off uh Going into basically like Kobachi's, a spy shop, Kobachi spy shop, yeah, which is super cool. You could see like the spy kids going in there with their watches and shit, right? And like Batman's lair with all his toys, <laughs> and like James Bond right. with like the boat with the bottom that opens up to all the guns, <laughs> like all of those things. So Ephraim says, "What I need is one of these." I walked to a rack of glistening titanium hunter killer drones with silent engines and a neurotoxin deliverer concealed in the front faceplates. It's an assassin's machine. How small can you make it? This, of course, is going to be our little drone that totally fucks up the, sh- the spaceship that Leary is on. Right. The transport. With the kids. Yeah. And honestly... Even my second reread of Iron Gold, I don't know that I totally caught on to this. This is the yeah. first time where I was like, oh, that there's the necklace. Yeah, the first time you go through it, you're definitely not catching any of this stuff because you don't know where they're going with any of it. Right. I, there's also an interesting part where Volga is like, do you think we should be doing this? Don't you think this will hurt the rising? Right. And I was like, didn't definitely did not catch that. Like, what that Volga is yeah. like. Yeah. Trying to be a good person. Right. And then also in, in this chapter with Ephraim, he also talks about uh, when you dance with the devil, you get the devil's resources. Mm-hmm. And that's when he talks about the um, gravity well. Right. So all of these items. Yeah, there's we, like little sprinkles of Little breadcrumbs yeah. that we see. Um, w- it'll all kind of go down in the next few chapters. Yeah, it'll obviously all come together for the ultimate heist for the heist yes 
And that takes us to Darrow. We just got a couple things here, most of them doing with Mr. Tongueless. I love him. <laughs> hey, remember when no one else cared as much as me about Tongueless? So we get a little mysterious obsidian named Tongueless here. Uh, and we thought this was much bigger than it was. This did seem like so intriguing at the time. Yeah, well, I think maybe in one of the longer versions of Dark Age, more happened with Tongueless. But then Pierce had to cut the book in half. And now he's dead. And also cut Tongueless into four pieces. Wow. <laughs> How dare you? So this is when they show up to the cell where they think Apple is. It starts with, what the hell? That's an obsidian, Severo says. Winkle, the package is missing, I say. Are you certain he is in cell 02983? Positive. Then who the hell is this? Severo asks. And then he says, <laughs> you're not... Then Darrow says, you're not a prisoner. He finds my eyes, even through my opaque helmet. He wags one finger and sketches a shield over his heart. Guard, he points a finger at me. Yes. Yep. And then we get Thraxa saying, boss. And Darrow says, what? She jerks her head to this obsidian. I think he knows how to find 1126. Ooh, Ooh. how? And we're still like... Who is this? And you're like, how did you lose your tongue? Yeah. Why can't you talk? (laughs) And he even says he's smaller than a normal obsidian. He has the shaman tattoos Tattoos. on his eyes when he blinks. Mm -hmm. They first notice his, this was a cool tidbit. They first notice his um, sigils aren't like whited out or washed out. Yeah. They, when you go to prison, they bleach your sigils they bleach your sigils so that's cool does that mean apple has bleach sigils probably yeah damn Mm -hmm. where'd you get that ink (laughs) (laughs) and uh we also um, it's genetic (laughs) (laughs) we also talk about in this quote that he finds my eyes even through my opaque helmet meaning like he knows he knows what those optics are. He knows what a helmet, right. uh, like demon head helmet looks like. He looks right at them. And then later on in the future chapters, he kind of knows that they're talking on private comms. Right. So he clearly is like more, he's more intelligent than a normal like brute of a guard. Right. He's more than meets the eye. He's definitely more, the eyes, <laughs> the, the real ones and the tattooed ones. Right. There is more there with tongueless. Maybe one day we'll get like a, a tongueless comic book prequel or something. I would love it. Give me more. Okay, that was our intrigue. Mystery. Huzzah! Huzzah, Huzzah you beast! <laughs> uh, that will take us to the prime five. Five of our favorite insights and observations from this week's chapters. I'm going to take number one. And this is, we're going to go back to Lyria chapter 23, Fox Hunter. This is a freaking treasure trove of foreshadowing and setup this entire chapter is like setting up stuff later on setting up dark age stuff yeah like big stuff big stuff all happening in one chapter with little lyria yeah who knew so we've got the packlebell birds we know that they're spies tweet tweet that's one we have the whole Publius conversation. Well, we think it's Publius, but the copper and the gray and the jam field. We've already talked about that. We also have 
the Night Lily setup. Mustang obviously uses that on the Abominadrius later on. We get that whole info dump on the Night Lily, how you have to touch it softly. But if you grab it, it's going to poison and kill you basically real bad. Yeah, real bad kill you. It kills like a cucumber. Right. And then we also get some setup for cloning in this chapter. Like the Abominadrius. And it's crazy because everything that is set up in this chapter has to do with Abominadrius. And then we get cloning at the very end of the chapter. Which we don't hear um, from the good doctor. We hear it from like another red worker. From the Telemannus estate, yeah. Who then says at the very end of the chapter, they're like, they're good to us, even though we just, you know, shovel shit. So we protect them with our lives. Yeah. Lyria. Yeah, Lyria. Bringing drones on board. Bringing necklaces in. <laughs> You're not supposed to bring outside trinkets in. But this this chapter is crazy. I, like, I would definitely recommend, if maybe you're just listening along in this reread, go back and read that chapter. because it's like try, try rereading. I'm just saying, like, go back and read that one chapter because it's like, like I said, it's a freaking Bread treasure crumbs. trove of shit. Chapter 23. Mm-hmm. Next up on our Prime 5, Deep Grave, not only... Is a prison holding crazy people and bone riders and all apples, Venusian peeps. Mm-hmm. It's also a recycling center. <laughs> I just love this. I don't know why I like really Keep grasped your oceans onto this. clean. It's taken those straws from those turtles. <laughs> it's taken your bottled caps that disintegrate into tiny little plastic pieces. Right. And it's recycling our oceans. And it's probably recycling shit that we have thrown away because it's in the future. Oh, for sure. And it's recycling all of our shit that's on the bottom <laughs> of the ocean. And, and, it, and it says it's like 400 years old. It's 400 years old. So it's been doing this for a while. It not only recycles, it also desalinates water, which mm-hmm. we still can't do on a scale large enough that it, it monetarily makes sense. Right. But we are running out of fresh water. Therefore, we do need to desalinate water. So Pierce Brown has the answer. A (laughs) crab-like prison in the bottom of the ocean. Is Deep Grave the solution to global warming? (laughs) Deep Grave is not the solution to global warming. It's the solution to protecting our coral reefs. (laughs) Also, can I say, Pierce Brown describes... Deep grave as a uh, me- metallic crab mm-hmm. crawling across the ocean floor with large metal legs with barnacles mm-hmm. up the legs. Has anyone seen Moana? I haven't. You haven't seen Moana? No. Do you know how much I love Moana? Yeah. Oh my God. What am You've I missing? You've seen Wreck It Ralph, but you haven't seen Moana? Whoa. Whoa. Don't come out Wreck It Ralph like that. I'm just saying Moana is really great. Anyways, I've seen it 800 times. So Deep Grave reminds me of the crab in Moana. It's a giant crab. Mm -hmm. This is not a spoiler. It's just part of the movie. (laughs) (laughs) You know, Fly of the Concords? Yes. I don't know which one, but one of them is the crab in Moana. Oh, it's probably Jermaine. And yes, and he he is Deep Grave. (laughs) (laughs) That's my point. <laughs> Anyways, when I read Iron Gold this time, I literally was like, I'm shining. Because <laughs> I thought that Moana and 
Iron Gold had crossed over. Uh, also, if you need a visual of Deep Grave, if you're having a tough time visualizing Deep Grave, there's a really cool painting done for the subterranean press edition of Iron Gold that you can Get go it check out. Subterranean. Wow. Didn't even think about that. That's underground, though, not under the water. Whatever. It's under <laughs> the ocean level, which is underground, technically. Sure. Under sea level. It counts. All right. Next up. What is it? This is just a little warning. Uh, we've probably all figured this out right now, but we just kind of noticed this in these chapters. If you're getting any kind of information or uh, personality from a howler that you don't know much about... They're going to die. They're going to die. <laughs> in these chapters, we get the return of Milia from the original Red Rising. From the Institute. From the Institute. She was one of the shamed golds that was chilling out in the woods, and she was one of the first peeps to join up with Mustang and Darrow. She was one of the OG Reap followers. Right. So we meet her. We get a little information about her, and she's very sullen and angry, I guess. And then we also get some personality from Min Min here. Lots of, lots of, uh, beware. She doesn't like small metal spaces like subs and metal and, wolves. And wolves that you burn up in. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> she doesn't like being cooked alive. <laughs> Neither do I. So, yeah, we were, I was reading this and I was like, oh, I see. He brought them back just to kill them. Definitely did that with Milia. That was kind of rude. He's like, here's Melia, just kidding. <laughs> but yeah, Min Min, that was like a, a long game. He was like, I'm going to bring her back. You know, she's going to make some jokes about obsidians mm -hmm. being between their thighs. Had a massive obsidian sandwich between my thighs. Me too, girl. Me too. <laughs> and then, so just a warning, uh, anyone we get close to will be ripped away from us and uh, Pierce doesn't like to leave happy howlers in his trail of tears. <laughs> Next up, so clearly Pierce is a James Bond fan. I don't know if he is, <laughs> but he has to be because Kabachi's Tech Emporium is super James Bond. This was straight out of the Q Lab here. Yeah, the Q Lab totally... <laughs> <laughs> this is like a real stock like movie scene though you get this like people show up the walls flip over and there's guns on the walls everywhere well, like, even before that like <laughs> um volga coming in and like turning her shoulders so she doesn't hit all the crazy tech hanging from the walls mm -hmm. and then there's these like kids linked in to the hollow net like watching videos that their friends are also watching right and they're like they turn around when they see her shadow it's it's a great movie scene it's just a fun fun little scene we get a lot of snarky ephraim which is always good he's great we get volga being cute so cute and then we get gadgets which is always fun gadgets are fun yes love it james bond <laughs> our final item on the prime five is my man diomedes just what a freaking rock like he is amazing like the rock i'm just saying Dwayne like Johnson. he's just like rock solid badass i he's mean he's pretty sexy first you get this thing with lysander where it's like he's not even being mean to lysander i love how it's like he has no malice it's not like an evil thing that he's doing to lysander it's just like He's like, hey, bro, shut the fuck up. Yeah. I'm going to take you on a walk. 
And then he's like, forgiven. <laughs> yeah. He's just like a parent teaching a child a lesson. He's like, you talk like one of our children. And then he takes him outside, throws him outside the spaceship, and then... Brings it back in? Yeah, brings it back in. Lysander's like, I'm sorry. He's like, you're forgiven. And then he also has, I mean, the amazing moment, like you, like we talked about earlier, where Cassius is like, oh, shit, this dude's pretty good with a razor. Right. And it's from Lysander's point of view, but... Right. Lysander's like, I believed Cassius was like the best razor master since my grandfather. And then he looks over at Cassius and it's like, and he's thinking the same thing. Right. He's like, oh, shit, I'm not the best. And I just wanted to read this one passage where it's where Diomedes is about to start fighting. It says, Diomedes lifts his rigid razor to his lips. He closes his eyes and kisses the metal. Then his eyes open, and the spirit behind them bears no kindness. When Diomedes moves, they begin to die. That's cool. <laughs> then he just like immediately beheads somebody. Bye. <laughs> That's just pretty badass. It's like a real freaking samurai warrior. Yeah, I love it. Mm-hmm. And clearly Romulus was a good dad teaching his kids to fight. Mm-hmm. So that brings us to... Our primus of the week, which is the one character who conquered our proctors of plot and rose above the rest. Who is it, Ben? Our primus of the week this week is Dido. Ah, Ra. Mama Bear. Wow. Do you know why? We, can't, we have a whole list here. We have a whole list. Uh, mostly because of the way she... Makes her entrance. That entrance is just... I'm going to start walking into places, just dropping a clothing item every three steps. <laughs> yes. There's and nothing like a great Throwing entrance. my cape and sitting crisscross <laughs> applesauce in front of my husband. <laughs> There's nothing like a great entrance. I am a wrestling fan, and the best part of any wrestling show is the entrances. And Dido Ara just comes in with a great entrance here. We get the missile... Where everybody's like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. Mommy's here. And then we hear the rumble. And then the ship lands. And then she just strides in, like you said, and starts uh-huh. ripping off clothing. It's amazing. And then uh, another reason is she walks into Diomedes' razor. Yeah. And until she's, like, bleeding. And she's like, I birthed you. I fed you from my breast. And she's like bleeding. Getting Me who stuck. pushed you into this world. <laughs> I was like, geez. And Diomedes is just like, fuck moms. Like, calm down. Freaking He's out. like literally in the middle of a parental dispute here. <laughs> yeah. And then she, she accomplished her mission really is why right. she won. Yeah, she gets the hollow that, you know, she risked Serafina for. She achieves her, her coup or kind of mini coup of, of Romulus. Mini Cooper, like yeah. Mini Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> and so she basically, she is the one person kind of throughout these chapters that really hits her goals. Um, also, she just insults the shit out of her spidery little son, Marius. Yeah. A couple different times. Yeah. And it is. She's got no love for her, her kid who wasn't raised with her. <laughs> he was the hostage sent to the core and he's got no love. <laughs> <laughs> she says some of the meanest shit you could ever say to your child. She's like, you should die. Like, should have just left you in the desert. And she, like, basically just, like, calls him a piece of shit at one point. Just, like, 
Isn't he, though? She's like, you suck. I don't care that you're my son. You fucking suck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, damn, She's mom. She's like, where's Serafina and Diomedes? <laughs> I don't like my... She had, she had seven children. She had a lot to choose from. Um, so, yeah, she is Bay. Congratulations. She's like, She's like the shadow version of Mustang. Like, if Mustang were evil. But this woman has made a name for herself. She moved from Venus. Yes, Romulus makes her a raw, but she's like scheming her way to uh, the top, even above Romulus. She's pretty iron gold, I would say. I'd say uh, walking into a razor until you bleed is pretty iron gold. Is that the name of this book? What? Wow. Wow. Synergy. Good job, Dido. <laughs> Congrats. All right. Up next, we are out of Hallerpod Q&As, guys. So if you want us to answer a question, send us one. So we need more Hallerpod Q&A questions. If you would like your question answered on the podcast, slide into the DMs or send us an email. Uh, so do you know what it's time for now, Aaron? What are we into this week? I'll go first. I'll, you always say that. I'll go first. <laughs> Fucking patriarchy. I'm Dido. <laughs> patriarchy. <laughs> I'm Dido. I'll fucking run. I'll go first, sir. <laughs> I've been empowered. I'm into a show called Drunk History. Mm. It's on Comedy Central. It's really, 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 really good. Very short episodes, like 20-minute episodes or something. Um, it's in its sixth season now. It's a good binge watch. So lots of good. And not only is it just a show with some funny drunk people, it's also informative because mm-hmm. it's history. So it's a great funny way to watch some uh, comedic in- reenactments <laughs> of history. Should we uh, get drunk and try and tell us the Red Rising story sometime? <laughs> yeah, we should. Our production value is not as high as drunk histories. So basically, someone gets drunk, most, most likely a comedian, um, and then they interview them, and then they tell the story of, let's say, Cleopatra. And they have actors reenact the story of Cleopatra, but they're mouthing the words that the drunk person says. Right. It's hilarious. It's I love it. Yep. It's a great show. Good binge watch. Ben, what are you into this week? I am into a book called The Bazaar of Broken Dreams by Stephen King. It's a collection of short stories that I've been listening to on my Libby app that I had previously uh, recommended you to you guys. Remind me what that is. It's my library app where I can listen to the free audiobooks. Oh, I haven't tried that. Anyway, I was listening to this the other day, and it was so weird. I was listening to the first the first short story of the series, and it was really good. It's called Mile Eighty One. It's about a killer car. Basically, it's a car that eats people. I don't want to like spoil the story. Transformers, Bumblebee. It's weirder than that. Oh. But it's really good, creepy. Anyway, I was listening to this short story, and I was happened to be like driving back home uh, to my apartment, and I was like on a road trip, so it was like a two two and a half hour drive. And I started the short story at the beginning of the road trip, 
It literally ended the second I parked in my parking spot. It was the weirdest thing that's ever happened to me. It was weird because it was Stephen King and you were scared or it was just like a. The story was like the exact time. Like it literally like I started it when I got in the car. Did you stop and go pee? Over two hours. No. Oh, weird. (laughs) Drove for over two hours and then parked my car and the story stopped. It was the weirdest thing that's ever. Hey, your energy occurred. aligned <laughs> with the car story. It was just weird. Yeah, I was also weird that I was reading like Stephen King thing. It was kind of creepy car story about a car that eats people, and then I was like, Were you kind of worried your car was going to eat you? I kind of walked away from my car and like looked over my shoulder, and then at the car. <laughs> 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 but anyway, it's a. Uh, collection of short stories the first short story is called mile 81 and i just really enjoyed it so check that out on your libby app aaron what are we doing next week on howler pod we're doing a reread of iron gold chapters 28 through 33 that's chapters 28 through 33 in your iron gold read-along books don't forget to follow us instagram twitter facebook etsy email us howlerpod at gmail.com Visit HowlerPod.com and don't forget, rate and review five stars only. If you don't give us five stars, we'll put you in deep grave and cut off your tongue and make you suck algae and we won't rescue you. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Howlers. Omnis Vir Lupus. Ow. Ow.